What's up, everybody? Welcome to Review Movies, where we are here to talk about some movies from 20 years ago and see how they look in the rearview mirror. And as always, I'm here with Trevor Kirkendall. I am Scotty Williams. Trevor, are you ready to have a little fun today? Yeah, man. This will be a very interesting uh, episode for us, I think. <laughs> well, what are we uh, going to be watching? Uh, so we're watching Scary Movie 2 today. Scary Movie 2. Not Scary Movie 1, Scary Movie 2. Nope, Scary Movie 2. Only coming out one year after Scary Movie 1. That sounds quick. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing Scary Movie 1, the first one, and really kind of enjoying it. Spoof movies, and that's exactly what this is, are a very different breed. Because the whole reason the movie exists is because there's other better movies out there that have things that we can pull out and make fun of. Correct. And other types of references. The, the problem that I run into with a with a spoof movie is when you're not just spoofing other movies you're spoofing other things that are relevant to the time the movie came out yes because you want people to laugh at your jokes but if the jokes are tied into a specific thing that was going on at that time then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to people so people watching this now they'll pick up on you know the exorcist stuff and the the Amityville horror things in there. Mm -hmm. But some of the other things that were very 2001, 2002 or 2000, 2001 mm -hmm. um, specific is several gonna, is, is not going to be, is not going to be very funny to those folks. Well, and there's one you even had to like ask me about as we were watching it. And it was yeah, that, uh, that Nike commercial. Yeah. And I remembered it. I just couldn't place exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we, when I say we, I mean me, um, we are going to try to be a little bit kind on this one, <laughs> just because the movie doesn't exist to win Academy Awards. We'll see how we do. We'll see how I do. So. Well, this is a this is a really good place to talk about going back to what we've said before about uh, some of those measures of what makes a movie good, right? So, Scary Movie 2, it's not supposed to be a movie as high and artistic as artificial intelligence, right? It's right. not meant to be something like... You know, it's, again, no Oscar nominations on purpose. So nobody, right. you know, Keenan Ivory Wayans didn't say, you know, this is this is my Schindler's List. Here we go, right? right. So, yeah. but, you know, what Keenan Ivory Wayans meant to do, I think it's a good it's a good argument. We can talk about whether or yeah. not he did it. But uh, so Keenan Ivory Wayans directed, what else do we need to know? Well, let's see. Scary Movie 2, directed by Keenan Ivory Wayans, opened Independence Day 2001, July 4th. Starring Anna Ferris, Marlon Wayans, Christopher Masterson, Sean Wayans, Regina King, Tori Spelling, Kathleen Robertson, Chris Elliott, David Cross, and Tim Curry. So, stacked cast. This was fun because it was uh, Anna Ferris's. it's like one of her first movies, mm -hmm. you know? Like, her whole career began here with, with these scary movie movies. <laughs> so, uh, and now she's still out doing stuff. So that's pretty cool that mm -hmm. her career didn't get completely stuck in this in this vein. <laughs> uh, the movie, a sequel to the 2001 film, Scary Movie, is about a group of teens, including Cindy Campbell and Brenda Meeks, are invited to spend a night in Hell House. Professor Oldman has convinced them it is part of a school project, but the night won't go past quietly. Master Kane is long dead, but still plans on enjoying himself, especially with Alex Monday. 
When things really start getting bad, the gang must work together to find a way to capture this ghostly menace. <laughs> so, it does kind of have like a like a real sort of horror vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I think we're looking at um, the haunting of Hill House or um, House on House Haunted on Hill. Haunted Hill yeah, yeah. Because um, that one was remade, I think, a couple years prior to this. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they were popular. Um, I don't think this one was as popular as the first, but what do we got for that? Well, it actually opened at number two in the box office on July 4th and made $20 million for opening weekend, 71 domestically, 69 internationally for a grand total of $141 million worldwide against a budget of $45 million. So, again, made its money back, and that financial term was a successful movie. Rotten Tomatoes critics, this is easily the lowest score that we have seen a movie given by Rotten Tomatoes critics. They gave this one a 14, uh, where the audience enjoying it apparently a whole lot more gave it a 52. Rotten Tomatoes summary in their eyes instead of being funny this gross out sequel plays like a sloppy rushed out product what are your thoughts on that i think that sums it up really nicely (laughs) it it feels really rushed it is grossed out it is sloppy i mean it's not nearly as good as the first one the first one was kind of the first one was smart because it really took a lot of the whole scream stuff right and really only stuck to making fun of that one I mean, there were other things in there, but this one, it's kind of like, what other horror movies can we do? And I mean, the movie opens with them straight up doing um, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd rather would have seen that movie <laughs> as, <laughs> you know, as, as a full length feature mm-hmm. um, rather than rather than this. But I mean, that's just one thing they the opening just as The Exorcist and throwing a little Amityville horror in there for for good measure. But but yeah, then we get into the main stuff. Um yeah, it's just not uh it's just not great in my opinion and I think that's a really good summary for it. <laughs> well, when again which again several times in the course of this we're going to have the conversation about well, good movies are defined by this, they're defined by this. Um in fact, one of the things I w- I wrote as I was getting ready to watch this movie is it's important to see this movie in context uh what it's really telling us 20 years ago about what what audiences were supposed to find funny 20 years ago. Um in fact, I think I told you when we were getting ready to prep for this, I would have loved to know what kind of stuff I thought was funny 20 years ago. Right. You know, what things well, I don't laugh at now that I probably did laugh at then. Well, I know I was, even if I thought it was funny, like in real life, if it was in a movie, I'd, I probably would have thought differently just because that's sort of how I looked at movies for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, still do. You know, I was, I was one of the only people at my school that probably hated like American Pie, for example. Mm-hmm. I was probably one of the only people at my school that hated The Matrix. Um, I mean, they, those movies just didn't do it for me. I mean, the matrix is a comedy, but you know, with American pie, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, but you know, the first one I thought was funny, but it wasn't if, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. I don't remember this one being a gross out movie either, but the, I don't remember scary movie one being very gross out either. So, well, I don't, and, and that might be the thing is I think scary movie was a little smarter. Yeah. And, and had some probably smarter references. Scary Movie 2 falls on the slapstick stuff quite a bit, I think. Right. As you go well, I mean, through the movie. Keenan Ivory Wayans, and you know, he wrote this with about six other people that are credited. I mean, there maybe was more, but you know, he's he's a smart dude. I mean, he knows how to he knows how to pull this stuff in and, and put it together nicely. As evident from Scary Movie One, but mm-hmm. I think this one was just 
hey, we had a success on our hands. We didn't think it was going to be that big, but now here we are. We got to get another one out for next summer. So, mm-hmm. so let's see how many things we can pull in and get this thing filmed in, you know, next week. Well, you're, you're actually right. That is definitely reflected in what the IMDB says about it. There's a trivia note that says the Wayans brothers have basically said the sequel wasn't as good because dimension films wanted it a year after scary movie. And so they actually felt it was too rushed. So that it definitely tracks based off what you're seeing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so jumping into the beginning, kind of a fun, interesting thing I was noticing here. So the film had a budget of $45 million. Uh, would you like to know where $1 million of this money went? Uh, to James Woods? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, $1 million of it went to Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando? Yeah, Marlon, in, the orig- in an earlier take, Marlon Brando was supposed to play James Woods' role as Father McFeely. Did he shoot it? He did. So apparently he did shoot it. Apparently this is confirmed by Andy Richter and Natasha Leone, who are in the scene as well. Marlon did film the scene. They actually were feeding him his lines through a radio earpiece because he was just, again, he was very old at the time. And uh, was basically, they shot the scene. They looked at it. They thought he looked a little too frail for it to work. Um, Natasha Leone also said something about him possibly grabbing her breast. But again, that's, that's you know... Um, but Brando apparently was too frail for the scene to get used, so they let him keep his money. Because again, you're going to let Brando keep his money, and uh, then they paid James Woods to step in and reshoot the stuff. So apparently, the footage with Brando is unreleased. Well, I would love to see that, especially the Amityville horror spoof scene in the bathroom. Um, and to be fair, another part to be fair to Marlon, <laughs> um, he apparently got pneumonia a few days before he was shooting the scenes as well. Uh huh. Well, Marlon Brando would be in a movie later this summer called The Score, which mm-hmm. would prove to be his final movie. So um, I, I would rather, I guess, see him go off on that one mm-hmm. rather than this one. So. <laughs> well, I tell you what, hey, it, hard to find a job that pays that well per minute of screen time. Well, he's Marlon Brando for crying out loud. <laughs> right. Um, so I guess that's a good point to jump into the film and kind of going through these things, right? But yeah, we'll dig into this movie now, and spoiler alert, you'll only get one, because (laughs) let's be honest, it's been 20 years, so you've had plenty of chances to see the movie. Right, so we open at Hell House, which they say at the beginning, right there in the opening, and I guess it's supposed to... Is that supposed to be the same house that the that the students sleep in? I believe so, yes. Because what happens here is nothing like what the main plot of the movie is. Mm-hmm. Like these characters here have no bearing on on the rest of it. it. Right, it doesn't even feel like it has anything to do with the movie. It's just a. It's almost a. It's almost a cold open to a TV series. Really, yeah, it's almost a, like an SNL cold open. It. Yeah. Um, but I guess they're trying to connect the house, but they don't even look the same. I mean, this house is set up to look like the house in The Exorcist, mm-hmm. but not in the uh, not in the same sense as, um, or not in the same setup as the as the house we see later, but right. Um, I mean, it's a straight up, uh, exorcist spoof. Um, right at the beginning, I noticed that, uh, we got Andy Richter sitting at the piano mm-hmm. and they, they break into, um, what is it? They break into shake your ass. It's, Watch um, yourself. <laughs> it's a mystical song. If I recall, that's um, right. Mystical, I can't remember yeah. what it's called, but it's by mystical. That's, that's an artist who was real popular around the time period. Yeah. So again, there's one of your references. I completely forgot about mystical. I mean, I know who he, <laughs> I knew he was, but, he had a couple um, of songs that, it, and this is not a diss on Mystical. He made very good. He made great music, and again, really popular around the time. He had about two or three songs, and honestly, I have trouble telling them from one another. It's probably just more of a dig on me and my brain, but yeah, probably. Yeah, and then and then we get <laughs> Natasha Leone uh, coming yeah, into the room and, and just basically buzzkilling. 
Yeah, she's playing the she's playing the Reagan role mm-hmm. uh, from The Exorcist. Um, the mom is actually Lambert from Alien. Did you catch that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have James Woods playing the Exorcist, who comes in and yeah, it's uh, some of his lines are just really crazy. Uh, he he excuses himself to take a to take a uh, trip to the bathroom, which we don't see that we don't know that he says he has to go bless this house yeah and he gets in there and he's doing some readings from the bible and all the flies are coming up against the window so there's your amity of the horror mm-hmm. part of the part of the scene and um i mean then we just see he's on the toilet and he's taking a um taking a big dump <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then he uh He's in there, and, you know, I laughed at that. I mean, I guess fart jokes are funny no matter how old you are. <laughs> so. I, I very likely laughed at it. Um, didn't laugh at it the second time, but I very likely did laugh at it the first time. Yeah. Um, but they get in there, and he's, they're trying to do the exorcism on this girl, and it's him and Andy Richter, and um, they drop another Survivor reference. Did you catch that? We've talked uh-huh. about that before. So. Yep. Um, I like the uh, – I did like – I did like this opening. Let me get that straight. Okay. I thought this was kind of funny. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, the, you know, the Reagan character, I, did I give a name? Megan, I think her name is maybe. Uh, her um, name was, yes, it was Megan Voorhees. Yeah. Who Voorhees, was apparently, nice. who was apparently also possibly in the running to be played by Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. Oh, that would have been perfect. Telling yeah. you what. Um, well, they so, would have had to sing if that was the case. Yeah. So she's out there. She's like, she's got the tongue thing going. Yeah. That that Reagan did in uh, the in the in the Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess James Woods thinks she's flirting with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So he he likes it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here that we can't really talk about. I mean, it ends with a projectile vomiting competition, pretty much. Um, yeah. Which again is from the Exorcist, but of course it only goes from. Reagan. It doesn't go from Reagan right. to the priest. It, it to doesn't the become like any time yeah. that you see vomit in Family Guy, for example, where it just overtakes the scene. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, and but actually, I, one one more alternate casting note on this too. Uh, there were some other people under consideration to play my Father McFeely as well. So Charlton Heston was apparently in the running to play Father McFeely, or was considered. Oh, man. Um, no, I, I've got the last one. The last one you would never guess in a million years if I gave you a hundred guesses. <laughs> So apparently, fresh off of his time in office, Bill Clinton was under consideration to play Father McFeely. Oh, that would have been <laughs> Cons- considering that they considering they make a joke at his expense later in the movie. Yeah, right. Huh. Well, that's pretty funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's what I yeah that's what I had heard is that he was supposed to be uh, he was in the running to or he was being discussed at least to play a role in this film as as well. So then, bang, we're done with that, and title card, and now we're into the main plot of the movie. And we <laughs> cold, see, cold open over, time to get to some plot. Yeah, time to get to the real thing. So we get there, and we see um, that all of our favorite characters from the first movie are now attending the exact same college. Um, so we have Marlon Wayans um, as the stoner shorty. Mm-hmm. And then we see uh, Anna Ferris come in and with her dyed black hair, trying to make her look a little bit more like Nev Campbell. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was only 24 when she did this huh. or when this came out. So. Well, you said she was really young. Yeah, she was young. Um, and it's nice to see that she's still, um, in stuff and she's not just been typecast into this type of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. she was on, she had a CBS comedy for a number of years. Um, and she'd been in and out of other movies. She appeared in two movies at, Went on to be nominated for Best Picture, which is kind of 
crazy. You wouldn't think of her as a cast member of Best Picture nominated movie, but there she was. Yep. Um, Lost in Translation and Brokeback Mountain, for those who are wondering. So <laughs> we meet them, and our first real reference of the movie comes out, and it's a Save the Last Dance reference. So, again, not a very popular movie anymore, but popular at that time. So I guess if you grew up in that era and you were aware of those movies, then, um, you know, that would still be pretty humorous for you there. But I don't know. It's uh, Again, this is kind of hard to really kind of get into because it's not meant to be taken seriously at all. Well, but I mean, but I'll say this, this is, you talk about products of the time and, and, and in our current time and what we're talking about, right? So you have a scene in that movie, the scene we're talking about right here is essentially Marlon Wayans instructing Anna Ferris on how to uh, act in a very particularly noticeable way uh, that yeah. coincides with her punching and robbing someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny, but <laughs> right. I mean, well, spe- and speaking of things that, that might look a little different in our current, in the current setting. Let's see. So then we see some of our other characters from uh, the last movie too, which includes um, Sean Wayans as Ray. Um, and they have, there's this runner that's in the first movie and it's a runner in this movie too, um, where he says things and does things that are kind of ambiguously gay. Yep if you will. Yep. Um, and I got to wonder if that runner would still fly today. If they uh, would still throw that kind of thing in there. The way that it was portrayed, definitely not. Yeah. Cause it's portrayed very, in a very crass manner, but it's, uh, it's definitely in there. Oh, certainly. Well, not only crass, but almost like as a dirty little secret. The way they remind you of it is with a dude, where's my car spoof in yes. the scene mm-hmm. where they got the two tattoos. Yep. But instead of saying dude and sweet, it, one it says something says, inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. That leads you to wonder if, you know, what went down last night or whatever. So, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we're really going. But then we meet, uh, we see Tim Curry. Good to see him again. He hasn't been in a lot lately. Um, David Cross, pre Arrested Development era. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Before ro- that. Ro- rocking the awful haircut. <laughs> and I guess they're this movie's bad guys. Um, David Cross is named Dwight, who is the assistant to the professor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Side note, this is not my favorite role from Tim Curry in a horror movie, for the record. but Well, true. (laughs) Not going to be anybody's, I would think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but, I mean, it kind of floats. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I guess then they're they're brought in and they say, well, we've picked you guys to... um, to take part in this insomnia study that we're doing. Um, but they've picked them because they were all survivors of the event that happened in the first movie. Yeah. Um, so they hand out directions and they tell them to go to this house. And I had to pause it to see what the directions say because they, they didn't, hold on it for very long and there was a lot written on there yeah it's one of those things that like you would think of something in a movie as a nod to something and is meant to be smart because that's an understanding that later will be watched by people who can pause it yeah so the map looks like kind of a skull and it's made out of all these different roads so the roads are uh ghoul street amityville um well, they're maybe not all streets, but okay. There, so there's there was a lot an of, Elm Street on there too. There's wasn't a there? lot of there's a lot of streets, but there's also a lot of like points of interest on the map too. So mm-hmm. um, we had Ghoul Street. There was Amityville. I think that was a point of reference. There was Camp Crystal Lake was on there. Elm Street, the Blair Woods, um, hey, Route oh. Six, Route Sixty Nine, because of course, of course. Um, and all in the shape of a skull. 
Uh, but the directions on how to get there... So the directions say, if you had any brains, you would take your ass home. But since you don't, head north two miles on Hades Drive. Or I'm sorry, it says on Hades Divide. You'll pass Elm Street on your left. Whatever you do, keep moving. Six miles to Kane Manor. If you reach Compton, lock your door, bend over, and kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> so Anna Ferris gets there, and the house looks like it's straight out of Clue, first of all which is another movie with Tim Curry that is a mm. classic. Yeah, absolutely. And she gets inside and we meet we meet two characters right off the bat that are going to be uh, in this movie quite a bit. The first is the bird. <laughs> yeah. That there's a bird in a cage that just talks junk to everybody that walks by it. And then we meet Chris Elliott. Han- Hanson. Hanson, yeah. And the runner with him is that he's got this little tiny deformed hand that everybody's completely grossed out by. But it's the one hand that he wants to do everything with. It's his strong hand, yeah. Yeah, that's his strong hand, he says. So He kept saying that, this is my strong hand. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of enjoyed Chris Elliott in the role. I thought he was funny. Uh, it was pretty entertaining to watch. Um, now, I will ask this question relative to it. At this point, what in the plot is telling me that this is going to be something worth watching? Nothing. <laughs> The only thing that's keeping you there or that's keeping the target audience there are all the constant jokes that keep coming at you left and right. That's correct. Okay. I mean, so. and I've, I've not even, we haven't even touched on every single joke that, that comes out of this. And I'm trying to, I was trying to pick up on the references and note those down, but yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean, she's like, for example, she's driving up there and she's singing and she's so terrible at singing that the singer literally tells her through the radio to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just a lot of that's just littered in there throughout. So even mm-hmm. when we're not referencing something, there's always things in there that there, there's still some fourth wall away. stuff happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Chris Elliott takes her to show her to her room and um, she opens the, the closet door and sees all the dresses there and she she pulls one out and it's like the it's like a the Bill Clinton dress or something. Right. It's yeah. That was, their, the that was a timely shot at Bill Clinton, which which yeah. kind of brings me to a to a point about this and a couple other jokes that happen around the time. Again, as I said at the opening, one of the things I looked at it through the lens of is things that people found popularly funny then that might not necessarily be funny in context. Um, there's quite a few jokes, especially in the early run to this relating to doing inappropriate things as regards to women. Uh-huh. Like say uh, the surveillance jo- the surveillance line where David Cross and Tim Curry are talking about you know hey we got all these cameras and Tim Curry's like well what about the one in their shower and mm-hmm. uh, the line where Chris Elliott uh, where Anna Ferris's stuff drops off on the floor and then Chris Elliott picks it up and starts sniffing the crap out of her underwear um, yeah. two things that are honestly do you think those would fly in movies today given their context and they, g- given the <clears throat> producer of this film. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that, too. Um, <laughs> no, they, they wouldn't fly today. And they weren't even that funny back then, either. I mean, if you laughed at it, you laughed because it was you were in a theater and other people laughed and you had mm-hmm. to... I mean, there's something about being in a theater when everybody laughs. You just kind of go along with it. Oh, 100%. I don't, the, I don't know what the psychology behind that is. But when you're watching a movie by yourself, you're not sitting there cackling. Well, and it's the same you're thing only, when you watch a scary movie, right? Like, like yeah. for example... Um, the, one of the movies, one of the few scary movies I went to see in the theaters was The Ring and did not think it was exceptionally scary. However, I was sitting in the theater. I was with one of my, with, with a girl I was dating in high school and there were two girls in front of us who were younger than us and they screamed at everything. Right. 
And they screamed so much, it was disorienting to me and probably made the movie feel scarier than it was uh, because of that. So that's totally a thing. Yeah. Well, they put those jump scares in the movie, and that's when people jump. So I find myself jumping in a movie theater, not from the jump scare sound, but from the sound of the people sitting around me that are just, you know, freaking out over everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's the same thing in, in funny movies. Some of the funnier movies I've seen in the theater, um, we went. My, my dad and I went to see Liar Liar in the theater. And I tell you, sometimes when Jim Carrey is cooking, he lights audiences up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, yeah. So, so back to it. I think that that is an interesting question to ask about. You know, what audiences found funny back then? Um, is it something that even should have been funny back then? I mean, like I said, I I don't. It's I don't find it funny. I don't think I ever did. Um, just because it's not really. It seems like a cheap laugh, first of all. Yes. You know, so which I guess most of the movie is a cheap laugh. But. Well, and, and maybe that's the thing is in 20 years, how many of these jokes have crossed the line from cheap laugh to, ooh, you shouldn't say that? Yeah, quite a few, I think. And it's just a, a sign of the times. I mean, totally. You have, you have people on TV shows that weren't even that old right now that they're still like, I don't know if that would go. Yeah, sure. So back to it then. Um, everybody else kind of gets in. There's a There is a really legit funny scene here between Chris Elliott and David Cross where they're going back and forth, <laughs> handing each other insults. Yes. About, um, I didn't write any of them down, but, um, you know, David it's, Cross It's all the ones you would have thought. Like, let me give yeah. you a hand, and I prefer a standing elevation and stuff like that. Yeah, because David Cross's character is in the wheelchair the whole movie, and Chris yeah. Elliott, of course, has that, that hand, so it's just, that's kind of humorous there. But um, I guess another one of the runners that goes throughout this movie is uh, the character Buddy is trying to comes on to Cindy at the beginning and she's like, no, let's just be friends. And he says, okay. And then he starts treating her like a bro, mm. you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So open chest or wedgie, you know, right. things like that. So stuff you would do um, with, with like some of your male friends. Yeah. So she tells him to like, I guess she hits her. He hits her with a, um, with a, a football or something. And she crashes down and he's just like, um, you know, oh, it's great being friends. It's cool to have a friend that's a girl. She goes, well, yeah, but I am a girl. So you got to like tone it down a little bit. So and to then which he, he responds course, by telling her a madly inappropriate story. Yeah, exactly. So um, but it was at this point where I kind of started to think that Anna Ferris just kind of goes for it in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that I think she knows that it's ridiculous and that if this is all she's ever going to do, then she might as well prove that she's going to go all in and commit to it. And she really does kind of commit to this at this point. Oh, so. absolutely. No, I, I thought that, that she did a great job in the role. Uh, and like you said, had fun with it in a role where, again, I don't think anybody goes to acting in school and says, okay, so for the next scene, you're going to pretend that you know a bunch of fighting styles, and then you're just going to make one up where you put your hands on your head and moo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's... There, there's so many things in here where, you know, I, I got to commend her for just because I can't imagine too many people like signing up to do this. And it's not, you know, mostly it's the dialogue or the kind of the actions that she has to take or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a scene where she sort of, I guess it looks like she's kind of coming on to Tim Curry's character. Mm-hmm. And then they pull the What Lies Beneath reference. Yeah. And uh, it turns out to be Ray's head and he's in a, in the same dress that she was wearing. So... 
Uh, but let's see, there's a couple other references that are really dated to 2001. For example, they open up the furnace and they find a whole bunch of boxes that say Dade County, Florida ballots. <laughs> Dade County, Florida ballots. Let's drop so one of I those. Guess, I guess that's where they went, huh? Um, but uh, that, again, would probably have to be explained to somebody who's probably 20 right now. Honestly, it was kind you of know? a dated reference at the time. <laughs> Yeah, we were already over, we were already a year past that. Because <laughs> I'm not yeah. again as a history teacher, I'm going to embarrass myself here. But didn't we decide the results of the election before the end of the year? Yeah, I think like, we did. The Supreme Court rejected Gore's last uh, appeal, I think, before the end of 2000. So we're talking about another seven months after that. Yeah. So I guess people were still salty. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they're that's where they are. They're in there. So. Uh, and then there's another reference that comes up pretty quick, and it's delivered by the um, by the bird uh, who talks to somebody and says, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, that one was really hot for a little while. I remember that show was red hot at one point, and yeah. everybody was talking about it. Everybody was joking about it, and then it just disappeared. Yeah, so that's that's just one of those things where, you know, if you're 20 years old right now and you pop this movie in, unless you're really familiar with... 2000 early 2000s pop culture uh stuff right like over the, your dade, head. the mm-hmm. dade county thing is probably going to go over your head the weakest link thing is probably going to go over your head um i forgot to mention by this point now we've seen that commercial with the basketball yes the um, nike basketball commercial which would be incredibly dated and even more uh, of a of a niche thing and i had to ask you i was like i know i've seen this commercial but who is it endorsing who is it advertising and you said it's nike so it was and that's yes. kind of what i figured because mm-hmm. it was it was there, but at some point too, um, uh, more proof that Anna Ferris is just going for it is when Buddy's like, "Tonight's the night to live out our fantasies because we might not make it through the night." <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, we should totally. I totally agree with that. Uh, I've always wondered what it would be like to walk on the moon." <laughs> and then she just kind of pretends like she's in almost zero gravity, like she would. Yeah, kind of lifts up and throws her arms out, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, just. And Buddy's just standing there like, what is this? But uh, <laughs> then they get locked in the freezer. And then we have a Titanic reference where yep. um, Buddy asks her to perform a particular act on her. And as she's doing it, she's like, you need to hold on. I'll never let you go. You know, doing the whole Titanic. Yeah. Um, Jack on the or um, Rose on the door and Jack in the water. But, you know, there was um, an this is one scene plus a couple of others that spoof a movie that I thought spoofing was a very interesting choice. Uh, and that was Hollow Man. Yeah. There's a number yeah. of Hollow Man spoofs. So the goggles, for example, are straight from Hollow Man. I think they look like the exact same goggles, to be frank. They did. <laughs> and that that is not that old. That one would have come out after the first scary movie. So I guess it was still able to be referenced at this point and still be fresh in people's minds. I don't know. Hollow Man was okay. I kind of just sort of forgot about it after a while. So even a year later, or not even a year later, I'm seeing mm-hmm. this and it's kind of like, eh. But. Right. Well, plus the the part where uh, they shoot the pipe and the pipe bursts, and you can see uh, old man Kane in the um. Yep. And that's another one that goes back to. Th- there were actually quite a few uh, from Hollow Man. Yeah, that's true. Um, then we get that we get into this um like a wheelchair battle between David Cross and old man Kane's ghost, and I had a I had a little bit of a hard time identifying what they were referencing here uh it was a john woo spoof if i understand that's, correctly. and that's where th- then they show the slow motion pigeons flying by and that's when it dawned on me that what they're doing here is mission impossible 2 mm-hmm. which also would have come out um around 
around the same time as the first scary movie. I don't know if it was before or after, probably before. This was one of my two favorite scenes in the movie. Um, that scene was, I had a lot of fun watching that scene. Uh, and the other scene for whatever reason, uh, is the scene with the clown and Ray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, one. that was really good. That was really good. Um, really good special effects work for the, the different clown faces. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, let's see, where do we go from here? Anna Ferris and Buddy have to break out of the freezer, and she starts MacGyvering her own way out of there. <laughs> yeah, and builds, um, a, builds a bulldozer. Yeah, she builds a bulldozer out of, like, a couple little things that she can fit in both of her hands uh-huh. in, the, in there, and she they break out, and they find out that old man Kane has possessed Chris Elliott, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got Shorty sitting at the table and he wants to cook his brain. So here we go with some Hannibal reference. Yep. The, mo- was, the most disturbing scene in Hannibal, frankly. Yeah. Which was only a few months old by this point. It came out in early 2001. So, and I guess they take the, take uh, the head off. And instead of seeing Shorty's brain, we see it's the rapper Beetlejuice, I guess. Yep. Is his yep. Name? Beetlejuice yeah. was his name. Mm-hmm. We so, just said it twice. Don't say it a third time. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess it's time for the girls to kind of come in and, and take control of the situation. So they mm-hmm. come down the stairs and they're, I guess they throw off all their clothes and they're standing there in their underwear and then they go and they change into something a little bit more um, appropriate. Right. <laughs> but I guess it's a Charlie's Angels reference. Right. We're spoofing Charlie's Angels and now uh, Chris uh, Chris Elliott gets to do Crispin Glover's part. Yep. And then uh, we see uh, some Matrix, of course. Um, just in there for uh, good measure, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already annoying. <laughs> I guess uh, Cindy kind of crouching tiger, hidden dragons uh, her way in there as well, doing some of those uh, stances. I guess mm-hmm. she manifests a tornado. Yeah. And there's a flying cow that comes by. So there's a there's twister. twister reference. Sure. I mean, even that's a few years old now. I, again, looks like the exact same cow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Actually, I think that was the same one. Ha! <laughs> hey. I mean, we're getting pretty close to the end here, and I think this is kind of the part where I started to, like, not pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, there was a line that I wrote down that I thought was very funny, actually. Um, I guess uh, Dwight, David Cross, falls out a window, and he claws himself back in the house, and he's like, I can't feel my legs. Mm -hmm. And somebody goes, you never could, and his response is just, you stay out of this. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of funny, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess they they find a way to kind of get the the ghost to step onto this onto the plat the, the platform, yeah. yeah. Ghostbusters type platform or something, so they do that and I guess everyone lives happily ever after. She goes back to school and she's got the she kept the talking bird as a pet and the the bird just hates it, so. Right. And then they see that uh Chris Elliott's a hot dog salesman standing outside and mm-hmm. doesn't uh doesn't last long because Anna Ferris is sad to see him, but then suddenly Shorty's car drives by and hits him. And that's quite literally the end of the movie. Just bam, it's done. Mm-hmm. So, and then the most dated reference in the movie comes in the end credits. Not only do we have Nelly as our closing song. Yep, must be the money. We also have executive produced by Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, the, the probably the most dated reference that you can get. Uh, yeah. Which actually, as I was watching that, it led me to another interesting kind of fact from the film that has been sort of published and talked about. So Tori Spelling is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, what, you know, it's kind of funny. Apparently the studio termed that, uh, termed that as a cameo. Uh, do you feel that was a cameo, her role? No, it was, I thought that was a 
that was a bigger part. I mean, she was one of the characters. I mean, she wasn't as big as a character that right. some of the other ones were, but she I was in about three fourths of the movie. Yeah, so I think yeah. cameo isn't really a, a, an effective uh, label for her. However, so apparently, what Tori alleges is that she was asked to do a scene topless uh, in the movie, and when she refused, they diminished her role in the movie. Well, knowing what we know now, I don't think that's too much of a surprise. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Um, and, and let's say for just for posterity that the, the things that are alleged are horrible and uh, and disgusting and, right. you know, just uh, make sure there's no there's no doubt that what happened there was absolutely disgusting and, mm-hmm. and kind of gets back to the point of we're watching this movie with a lot of these references through the lens right. of what we see now. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I mean, everyone knew Harvey Weinstein was kind of a sleaze, but I don't think anybody really knew... I mean, outside of Hollywood, you and I at least didn't know the extent of his, of his, uh, what, what, what he was doing, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing that inside Hollywood, they definitely knew and they just kind of, you know, turned the other cheek. Well, and the way just because of who he was. Correct. Which, which let's be honest, happens in quite a few fields where people's shortcomings are for, are, you know, swept under the rug for whatever reason. Um, so, uh, you know, but, uh, all that being said, the question I have is I, as I watch the end of this movie is, um, how much smart humor was in this movie? And, uh, and, and no. by smart, <laughs> I, right. And by smart, I mean like not a poop joke, not a, not an inappropriate joke. Like, that was kind of my biggest beef with this was scary movie. The original, like you said, was a very smart kind of take on the genre and had some really funny parts in it. But I thought scary movie Two leaned really heavy into it. And in fact, this started, if I remember correctly, a little kind of cottage industry on spoof movies, right? Because there was a sports movie spoof. I think it was called, uh, camera was called. There was a date movie spoof called date movie. And, all of them just collectively, I felt like kind of abandoned the, the idea of really spoofing and kind of went gross. Well, so spoof movies have been around for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, well, we're not talking about naked gun or, or airplane here. Well, but those, those are part of the genre. I mean, those are the ones that really kind of kicked it off. And I, I was about to say airplane, but I didn't want to say that's the first one. Cause I'm not sure, but that's probably the first mm. big one. But let's be honest. Airplane is Shakespeare compared to this movie. That's true. I mean, Airplane's one of the greatest comedies ever put to film. Right. First of all, you know, but they're they're spoofing the they're spoofing the disaster movies of the seventies, mm-hmm. especially Airport. Right. <laughs> and you know, The Naked Gun is of course spoofing police movies. But again, with a lot smarter references, a lot different range of jokes. In fact, like you go to The Naked Gun, for example. You know, there's a couple of jokes in there that are questionable, but there's none. There's none you're gonna look back on and go, ooh. Okay, other than accept the fact that O.J. Simpson is a major character. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there, I mean, there's that. There's a lot of things that are funny in that movie, and none of them are like you know dated to the late 80s mm-hmm. you know well and you know what's funny and kind of if you want to talk about a fun role as to where naked gun lies and that kind of history and people remembering it so one of my one of the side jobs i have as a dj i have to mic pastors uh you know i put the, the microphone on the efficient for the ceremony and i have had more than a few pastors that to ask me hey when should i turn this on and i'll say yeah turn it out right before you and the groom walk out i've had more than a few say hey i don't want to have the naked gun happen to me <laughs> yeah Um, which goes back to just one of the funniest scenes in that movie, which is where he has got his microphone from his press conference and he walks into the bathroom with it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that's, again, you talk about where that, that place lies. There are still quite a few efficients who make that joke to me or understand that joke. Mm -hmm. So, and that movie is now what? 40 years old. 
So, um, well, that, that might be movies, a good point, the, yeah. the airplane and Naked Gun, I mean, those are all done by the, the Zucker brothers, mm-hmm. who eventually take this series over, the scary movie series, oh. um, later on, after the... After the Wayans um, kind of passed it on, I'm not no, I can't remember if it happened uh, after the um, after the third one or if it was after the fourth one. I don't know, but they were, uh, yeah, it was the third one. So they started with Scary Movie three a couple years later after this movie, and then they were taking care of it in the number three, number four, I think number five, and they even brought in Leslie Nielsen into that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I never saw those, so I can't speak to the quality uh, of those versus what the Wayans brothers did. But. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch any of them after two. In fact, I gave up on the genre after I saw a date movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but there was, I think the, the date movie and the, um, not, not another that, teen movie. They did that one too. Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So those that were kind of like not another teen movie date movie and the, the ones that kind of ended in movie. Um, I think that was a different group of people too that were trying to build their career around what the Zookers did with mm-hmm. Airplane. And I mean, cause there was, you know, they did like, they did Airplane, they did, um, they did, uh, Ruthless People, if I remember right. They did Top Secret. <laughs> Top Secret is Ruthless great. Ruthless People. I remember that movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. Um, not sure. Not, don't know if you consider that a spoof movie or not, but, uh, um, not really. Um, they did, they directed Basketball. Um, mm-hmm. they were, that, that was more one for, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, but um, well, sort of, sort of jumping back in and putting a bow on, uh, trying to kind of close out our conversation here about Scary Movie Two. How did you feel about it now versus the way you felt about it when you first saw it? Well, I don't really remember what I felt about it the first time I saw it. I probably felt like I wasted my money. Yeah, I really it was not a very enjoyable watching experience for me now, and maybe that's just because I'm old and cynical instead of young and cynical. <laughs> But um, it was not something that I really enjoyed watching. And I was thankful it was only like an hour and 20 minutes. Yes, it was very short. And what is your opinion on it 20 years after? So this is not the first time we've said this in a movie about movies we've watched. But I think that one of the things you touched on there is we've both kind of aged out of the target genre. I'm sorry. We've both kind of aged out of the target group for this movie because when I watched it, I remember I laughed fairly hysterically as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, Thought of a good few parts were funny. I was a big basketball guy. So the Nike basketball scene, I probably got a huge kick out of now. It's one of those where again, it looks different through our current lens and through the time we're currently living in and and kind of the reckoning we're going through in a few places. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for me, I didn't like it as much. Definitely didn't like it as much. Um, but we're looking at a movie that you're asking yourself now, how many of these things are just not funny and how many of these things are more than it's not funny. Now it's, now it's inappropriate or just something that really shouldn't be joked about because again, you look at the producer, one of the producers films, Harvey Weinstein, and you ask yourself, okay, so, how far is too far where it comes to spoofing and things like that. But you know, that goes back to some of the comedic ideas where there's some comedians who feel like if you're not offending people in a certain sense, you're not going far enough. But 
So, folks, that'll do it for our discussion of Scary Movie 2. We're really happy you decided to join us for this conversation and hope we've given enough value to you that you'll want to join us again for another. You can interact with us on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rearview Movies. You can also hang out with us on TikTok. We're still enjoying that. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Music, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, we would love to hear your takes and opinions on movies and get you guys more involved in some of these discussions and we'll have a great opportunity to do that coming up because what movie are we going to be on next week trevor next week we are going to be talking about uh one of reese witherspoon's most iconic roles as l woods in legally blonde yeah legally blonde which i actually think is a really good film but obviously we'll get into more details about that later um and we just look forward to having you guys on our journey with us later thanks